Hello and welcome. Good afternoon to you listeners out there. It's uh, You're listening to Faith FM. It is Wednesday afternoon. You're listening to the afternoon show, which is Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. How are you doing today, Danny? I am praising the Lord, Peter. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> that is good to know. We have, we have got a cracking program coming up for you today. We're going to be looking at one of the most fascinating Bible prophecies uh, in the Bible, one of my favorites, and a chapter which literally changed my life. So uh, I'm sure that uh, I know Danny enjoys sharing on this particular chapter. So we're going to unpack that a little bit later as we go along. Um, We want to let you know how you can contact us. And so if you uh, want to call in, if you have a question or a comment about today's program or even about... um, other programs that we have made uh, or that we've recorded here, then you can call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. And that's actually 1-800-FAITH-FM, apparently. And so you can also text us on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669 if you want to text and uh, you can get in touch with us. By the way, if you go to faithfm.com.au, you can find, just look up uh, podcasts and look up uh, Looking Up, and you will find the previous podcasts for our, our previous programs if you want to check in with those. But we have basically been covering in this series, we have wanted to look at how the coronavirus pandemic um, has impacted the world and whether the Bible has anything to say on that. And, um, you know, what have we looked at so far, Danny? Well, we started off by taking a look at what Jesus had to say mm-hmm. that this world would be like before he comes. So we looked at Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Some and of that's, the signs of the times. Yeah, and that's, and that's where we get our title for our program, Looking Up, because yep. Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, look up, because your redemption is drawing near. And then we moved on from there. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah. So we looked at some of the signs of the time. We looked at the fact that coronavirus. Many people have said that it's a wake-up call. Um, there was a significant number of people in the United States who believed that this pandemic was a wake-up call from God, which is a, a significant uh, idea. And then, of course, we've looked at the health implications, the financial implications, the environmental implications. Now, what we're going to do is we're starting to look at some of the major prophecies of the Bible to help us lead to the place where we're going to be able to understand what does the Bible say about the end time. So I'm looking forward to all of that. All right, well, we're going to go to a break for a little piece of music before we get into our program proper. And we're going to be listening to Carly Fletcher. She's a good friend of mine. And nothing in this world is the song. There is nothing in this world that can truly satisfy me like Jesus, Jesus' love. For His love is truly deeper, truly purer, truly sweeter. Yeah. 
That was Carly Fletcher and Nothing in This World. Well, uh, welcome back to our listeners. Thank you for choosing to join us once again, uh, for tuning into our program, Looking Up. And uh, yeah, we're looking at how the Bible uh, segues into end-time prophecy, what it says to us about the times in which we are living in. Does the, the, does the coronavirus crisis tell us anything about where we are in terms of uh, the the uh, timeline of the world and um, we've got a couple of news stories I want to refer to in a moment but Danny uh, I think we've got to have a, uh, a free giveaway again today is that right? We are indeed as we do each week at the end of the program we have a very special giveaway for the first listener that will call in so stay tuned that will be towards the end of our program so uh a giveaway in harmony and in line with what we are dealing with. And by the way, Peter did mention this earlier, and I just want to also um, re-emphasize the study that we're going to be looking at today in the book of Daniel is is a perler. It really is. It just, it'll blow your socks off. You will just absolutely love it. So I want to encourage you to be um, joining us all the way through because it's going to be an exciting study and uh, you will just see Bible prophecy come alive such as you have never witnessed before. So that's something really, really exciting. You know what's exciting about this uh, prophecy? We're going to be talking about the prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, just to give you a heads up. If you want to grab a Bible, you might want to have a look at that. And we're going to be referencing several verses in that chapter. But um, what what fascinates me about this particular uh, chapter is that not only uh, is it more than two and a half thousand years old at its beginning, but it moves through time. It moves to our day and then keeps going and and comes to the time when Jesus will return. So this is a fascinating Bible prophecy. We're going to dig into the details and... uh, Look, I'm still amazed at it every time I share it. And I share it, you know, with people on a regular basis. Well, um, this And again, you know, it had a major impact on my own experience. That's exactly right. So we're going to hear about that, aren't we? Because you did, share, you did share a little of your experience, your conversion experience in the yeah. first program. But we want to really zero in on how this prophecy was um, fundamental yeah. to your complete 
change in worldview. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we, we'll do that. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you something that happened this morning, Danny. I was um, out on my morning walk with my wife, Marie. We typically will go for a walk every morning for an hour. Um, it's, it's actually, uh, there's so many benefits to that. It's not just the exercise. Uh, it, it sort of gets you going uh, first thing in the morning, uh, you know, before it, it, it gets the blood moving to, mm, to get, your, really good. get your brain going. But also, uh, you know, we walked down a nice country lane and this morning there was a little bit of a sprinkling of rain. The sun was rising and there was this absolutely magnificent rainbow that was there as we were walking up the road. It was across the middle of the road there as we were walking up and it was there for about... 10 minutes i reckon yeah. as we were walking along it was just fabulous so that was another uh, and of course that's that's another sign of god's blessing that we find there in the book of genesis anyway let me reference a couple of uh my stories wife, my wife Go doesn't on. want to walk with me she doesn't want to no, walk no, with no. It. instead the dog. i think there's something to be said <laughs> the dog walks with me each morning so I'm, i've got this beautiful little you're in the doghouse <laughs> this tiny toy cavoodle yeah, I have seen it's your dog. It's an adorable dog. It, I think uh, I've only seen it once or twice. I need to come around and look at oh, your dog. It's just again. an amazing dog. It's my best mate. And the good news, I mean, we've never had a dog. Uh, we've just got two cats, and cats are totally different. You know, yeah, like yeah, they yeah, don't absolutely. care about anyone else. But anyway, the thing I love about the dog, we got the dog in January, and at least I know when I get home, there's someone that loves me. That's what it is. There's one. There's one. There's one living creature in the house that loves me. So when, um, when I walk in and the dog's jumping all over me, I just say to my wife, "Note the enthusiasm." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can't beat a dog. So, so what's yours? A cavoodle? A what? Uh, a tiny toy cavoodle. We were supposed to have cavalier like, poodle, right? Yeah, a cavalier and a poodle. It was supposed to be just a, a cavoodle to begin with. And then my wife said, "Oh, it's going to be a, a tiny cavoodle." I said, "Yeah, no drama." And then she ends up saying, "Oh, by the way, it's a tiny toy cavoodle." So basically, I mean, you know, it's, you can fit it in your handbag. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, our dog is not, you know, our dog is not a big dog, and ours is is a miniature. It's a miniature, miniature schnoodle. Very friendly. So I like your dog. Very friendly. Very and friendly. it's a miniature. And it, yeah, very friendly, happy little dog. And uh, I don't know where we got onto dogs. But anyway, anyway. Um, it was all good. It was all good. I wanted to reference a couple of um, news stories this week that um, just touch on subjects we have already covered in this series. Uh, subjects that people can catch up on um, on the podcast. If you go to faithfm.com.au, you can catch up in these some of our looking up programs there on the website. But um, yeah, a couple of uh, stories. So two days ago, Monday on BBC News, their top headline on Monday was coronavirus fear over rise in animal to human diseases. Mm. And I thought this was interesting because we had talked about this uh, a little bit before and um you know, it talks about the fact that bats were probably the source of the current coronavirus pandemic. Uh, a pedi- epidemiologist says uh, zoonotic diseases, that is, which jump from animals to humans, are increasing and will continue to do so without action to protect wildlife and preserve the environment, a UN experts have warned. So this mm, was their top wow. headline on Monday, BBC World News. So I thought that was interesting because we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, when we were talking about the uh, the health aspects, but also from the perspective that, uh, you know, we had mentioned that in the Bible from Genesis 
through to Revelation, there's a distinction made in the Bible between animals that are clean and unclean. Yes. And it's interesting to note that it's um, these unclean animals. We're getting a lot of infection from these unclean animals. Um, That's right. As well as other animals too, but um, it's just an interesting point to make. And that's where um, they they believe that the coronavirus came from yeah. in China at, from the wet markets. Yeah. And I remember seeing a, a documentary, I think it was on Four Corners or 60 Minutes, right. and they went in with their secret cameras into one of these wet markets and literally there's everything there for sale, um, yeah. all kinds of animals. and. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the rainbow earlier, and that, of course, comes to us from the time of the, the flood. Time of the flood, and we know from the biblical account that Noah knew the distinction between the clean and, un- and the unclean. So, this idea of clean and unclean is not something that's that's a recent uh, biblical teaching. It's all the way back to the flood, and like you said, at the very in beginning the Genesis, of time. And there's also reference to unclean birds in the book of Revelation. There is. So we mentioned that before, so we're not going to go over that again. But I just want to read, read the next sentence. And this is in the same BBC News report. And it says, uh, they blame the rise of diseases such as COVID-19 on high demand for animal protein, unsustainable agricultural practices and climate change. And I just thought I'd throw that in there because we mentioned before a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, the ecological uh, impact, the environmental impact of coronavirus had been to give the earth a bit of a rest as we all went into lockdown and uh, people have seen the benefit of that and they've said hey you know what would be wouldn't be a bad idea to have some common rest time Mm -hmm. which of course makes perfect sense nobody's arguing about that absolutely and then we were able to discover that god had actually got that plan (laughs) all together at the very beginning of the world before we'd polluted it um he, he still had some common rest time planned and we talked about the sabbath and so forth so that was an interesting one another one that kind of goes along with it um, we, I, you may have seen this too, but um, uh, Greg Piper is an independent MP who is in the Lake Macquarie uh, district. Where and, we uh, live. Which, which just so happens to be where Danny and I live. <laughs> we don't live in the same house. No, we, we don't. We did get married on the same day, but, but not, not to, to the same person. Yeah, yeah no, that's right. <laughs> not to each other. <laughs> just and we do happen to live in the same uh, district of Lake Macquarie. And we've both got little dogs that we love. <laughs> This is becoming embarrassing. You know, the first, the first time, actually, the first time we came in here, Danny, you may remember we had the same shirt. I'm just about. I know it was ridiculous. That was embarrassing. Very embarrassing. That was embarrassing. Anyway, this um, Greg Piper he put out this uh, newsletter, and uh, for June 2020, and he said, um, if current trends continue, there will be more plastic by weight in the ocean than fish hmm. by 2050. Wow. Yeah. There's so much plastic heading into the ocean and we're not doing anything about it or not, we're not doing enough about it that by 2050, there's going to be more plastic by weight than there is going to be fish in the ocean. Now, that is That's something staggering. to think about. That That's is straight staggering. That is. And he says, of all litter picked up in New South Wales, 60% of it is discarded plastic. So, so there's a, a real challenge for the world uh, environmentally. We're polluting it like on levels never before. And uh, that's going to come to a head at some point. Somebody's going to say, you know what, we've got to do something about this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Well, of course, there's been a spike in cases of coronavirus down in Victoria. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, you've got relatives there, don't oh, you, Oh, I live there. 
I, I, I well, you don't live there, there right now. <laughs> no, I've lived there for the first 20 odd years of my life. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, a, Whereabouts? Well, in uh, Footscray and St Albans. Right. That's where I grew up. Footscray. Footscray, Franco Cozzo. Anyway, um, yeah, I lived down there, and uh, yeah, one of the postcodes that are affected on, uh, regarding well, well, this this lockdown yeah, shutdown. There's a lot of. Um, them. I think I think the whole state is um, currently. Almost, I'm not sure about that. I think well, I know anyway, that the borders they've have been Melbourne. closed. They've locked down. They've Melbourne. locked down Melbourne. They've locked, yeah. locked, I never. I mean, this is interesting because we were talking. This has about, never happened before, ever. We were talking about. Um, Borders closing earlier in the pandemic, where we'd had, you know, Western Australia was closing their border and Queensland were closing their border and so forth. But the border between New South Wales and Victoria always remained open. Yeah. And um, so, in terms of what's now locked down, I know for sure it's basically Melbourne and surrounding suburbs. Uh-huh. I know that Warburton out to the east is uh, affected because I have family in Warburton. And we used to live there, by the way, for eight and a half years. So that was a nice place. So, yeah. And then, um, is it Mitchell Shire, I think that's called, in the north? And so, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen as to whether they lock down the rest of the state. Yeah. But I think, I think the point is that there's more and more anxiety. Uh, there's growing frustration and there's growing uncertainty. And it's interesting because Jesus actually said mm. that what we are experiencing now worldwide would be the situation just before he returns. So mm. I don't know about failing them I don't from know, fear yeah, and the expectation yeah, of those things. I don't know how you're seeing this, Peter, but I'm seeing this as a significant and very serious prophetic development. Without this is not just a, another yeah. another world event. This is yeah. not just an, not, not just another earthquake. No, exactly. This is this is significant. It's huge and this will um, um, have an incredible prophetic um, impact mm. on where we go to from here. So the things we're talking about are extremely relevant. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we've said, uh, you know, it's been an overused term, unprecedented. We've talked about that, how, um, you know, nobody uh, alive has really seen anything like this. No. Well, uh, we've never had anything worldwide that has impacted so many people and that has been so visible. Yeah. Because we've never been connected like this. We had the 1919 Spanish flu, sure. and that killed millions of people. I think 50-odd yeah. million people. Probably because they didn't lock down. And That's so, right. So. And, I mean, you know, it was just a different world back then. Yeah. But the world was not as connected in 1919 as it mm. is in 2020. Not even close. We yeah. did not well, have... We didn't even have 2 billion people in the world. No, we didn't. Exactly right. And we didn't have a world economy that we have today. And so the world today is a very different place. It is. And I, I think the... The lessons out of all of this, as we've we've mentioned earlier, is it's the speed at mm. which the world changed, the uh, depth of the change that has occurred in the world. And I was reading on uh, another, I think it was in ABC News actually the other day, where it was saying um, there's no end in sight. The, mm. the, the, we, we don't know no. how long it's going to take for us to get to anything kind of like normal. And so, um, you know, it's it's very interesting. We don't know what the next thing will be in terms of what the next major, um, you know, uh, crisis will be. But we do have an outline in the Bible of where the world is headed. And we're going to be looking at that today as we look at Daniel chapter 2, which is a chapter that begins 2,600 years ago Um, in the Middle East. We're going to zoom in and we're going to hone in on that when we uh, talk about the the prophecy at large Um, and it comes all the way down through the ages to our time and beyond our time we're going to see events that have taken place this year Mm. 
that have actually, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, reinforced the fulfillment of prophecy. Um, and so we're going to be able to, to pick that up. So I'm looking forward to getting into this. And as I've said before, if you do have a Bible, now's the time to grab it, pick it up. Uh, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2. So it's the Old Testament book of Daniel. Look that up, check out chapter 2, and you'll be able to follow along as uh, we reference that. I might just uh, mention, if you want to call in once again, the number is one 800 That's one 800 And if you'd like to text, it's 0491 If you've got a comment or a question you want to throw at us, uh, we'd be happy to take those. And so uh, please do make contact. But uh, grab your Bibles. You might want to grab a pen or a notepad. Take some notes, although, as I've said before, this program will be up on, a, on the website as a podcast, so you'll be able to review it again. We're going to come back, and we're going to really look into that prophecy when we come back. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be listening to Sydney Wolverton, Anchor Your Soul. God hasn't let me go Cause I've let him go many times He keeps amazing me With how he's changing me I'm holding on this time And I keep on telling myself Don't dig up what you've sowed in faith Don't give up what won't be replaced means more than you would ever know Don't waste it now Let him anchor your soul Your soul Your soul Your soul I'm thankful God has I've let him go many times He keeps amazing me With how he's changing me I'm holding on this time And through the valley, through the deep When the ocean's crashing in I will trust, I will lean On the one who calms the sea So remind me Don't dig up Anchor my soul 
Welcome back. It's uh, good to have you back with us after the break. And, uh, well, we're going to get straight into our program for today. We've been talking about the fact that we're going to look at a prophecy in the Bible that is uh, 2,600 years old and counting uh, because uh, the prophecy has um, come past... It goes past our day. Mm, It does indeed. Into the future. So, you know, if people are wondering, you know, I wonder what the future holds... Today's the day we're going to find out because um, there is some information in here. But we're uh, going to talk about this prophecy. And, and maybe uh, I should begin with um, my journey on yeah, this. Yeah, we mentioned that before the news break. And I think it's important for the listeners uh, to understand the significance of this prophecy yeah. and from your perspective, because you were impacted by this prophecy in a life-changing way. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, the fact is, when I've shared this in uh, many places around Australia uh, and other, pla- other countries too, um, this prophecy has a, an impact on many others as well. So, um, so what it, I was not a believer in the Bible, Danny uh, mentioned before, uh, I was a, an atheist until my mid-20s. I had an encounter with God um, where God really got my attention and... Um, in a sort of miraculous way that we'll probably talk about it another time because we want to get into this. Mm. And so I thought, I, I realized at that time that God, um, well, let, let me maybe lay the table. I, I would have been working at a cocktail bath with a, another guy who had, had been raised Christian. And we both left that work and did other things. And he um, would always try to show me something from the Bible. And I really wasn't interested. And I didn't think the Bible had any relevancy. I thought it was a book of fairy tales. And I thought, you know, it might be your hobby, but it's not mine. And, you know, it's, it's just had no, no yeah. interest for me. Um, and I wasn't interested in religion. And I thought that, you know, um, evolution was the way we got here and all of that stuff. And so um, he wanted to show me one day. I was around his house and he, he showed me something in uh, the book of Genesis about the Noah and the flood. And he said, there's lots of geological evidence in the world for the flood. And uh, he said, after the flood, God put a rainbow in the sky. And I said, well, I didn't know anything about, you know, didn't know the Bible said anything about rainbows. And the next day, there was this bright and beautiful rainbow over the middle of the road as I was driving to work. Mm, And I burst into tears and God spoke to my heart that moment. It was very much like the rainbow we saw this morning, actually, Mm. that I was talking about earlier. But it was very emotional. It had a huge impact. I realized at that moment that God had put the rainbow there for me. God was getting my attention. God did exist. There was no question in my mind wow. at that moment that God existed. And that was that was stunning because I drove to work not believing God. And by the time I you know, had got to work, I was believing in God. So wow. it was kind of amazing in that way. So I knew God existed, but I didn't know how that necessarily related to the Bible. Um, you know, there's lots of people that believe in God around the world, right? In yep. fact, the majority of the people in the, the world believe in God. majority of people do indeed, yeah. Okay, so, but is it the God of the Bible? Or is there some other God? You know, maybe it's a mystery and nobody actually knows, you know. So I didn't really know what that was about, even though I'd had this rainbow experience. And so uh, the next thing that when I did get together with Steve, I thought, well, I'll give him the time of day. I'm going to listen to what he's got to say. And he took me to this chapter, Daniel chapter 2. And began going through it. And once I understood this chapter, 
when the penny dropped, as we like to say, um, I was blown away. I, I said, that book is divinely inspired. That is not an ordinary book because what it has revealed through that prophecy could not be known by any normal human being. We, people could not know the details as they are delivered in Scripture. So we're going to take a look at this. And we want to take a look, uh, maybe to begin with, the fact that um, the Bible tells us that prophecy is one of the ways that we know God is God, right? It's one of the ways that we know we can trust the God of the Bible, is when prophecy is fulfilled, that gives us the confidence to know that the one who has revealed it knows something. Mm. You know, he knows something about the future. He knows something about the world. And here in Isaiah 49, verse, uh, sorry, 46, verse 9 and 10, we read these words. This is God talking through Isaiah. He says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Well, that's a huge statement, isn't it? Um, God says very clearly that, yeah, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows he knows the future better than we know the present. That's how <laughs> I like, you know, because, you know, they talk about seeing is believing and sometimes yeah. you can think that is true, but it might be a mirage or anything like that. You know, our senses can fool us. That's you right. know, let's be honest, we've all been fooled uh, thinking something was when it wasn't. So, yeah. But God, he knows the end from the beginning. That's, that's right. That's a phenomenal thought. I saw a church sign once, you know, uh, most people say seeing is believing. But on the church sign, it says believing is seeing. <laughs> and I thought that was quite clever. And that's actually what Jesus says in John 14, yeah. 29. Yeah. Jesus. Well, yeah, go ahead and read that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he says. Jesus says in John 14, 29, And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. So when we see these things taking place, that that may increase our faith in Christ and in his word, that this is a document that is divinely inspired and, um, and, and a document that we would do well to investigate um, mm. with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. Yeah, I do. Um, sometimes I will share public programs um, and they're evidence-based programs. You know, the, the God of the Bible is not a God who asks us to exercise blind faith. And I think that that's important to understand. Uh, when I came to faith, it was because of the evidence, not in spite of it. And so um, God provides evidence upon which to base our, our faith and our trust in him. And uh, that's what we're going to look into. All right, well, let's look at this chapter, Daniel chapter 2, and this prophecy that's 2,600 years old. So if we, we're going to go to a part of the world that, in fact, you and I have not visited, and that's Iraq, mm. right? Uh, it's one of those places that I would love to visit, but um, we haven't made it there yet, Danny. I'm saying yet because maybe <laughs> one of these days, you never know. But uh, the way the world is at the moment, nobody's going anywhere for a while. We had the opportunity of going to Iran we last did. year, which is next door to Iran. Yeah, and we might mention that a little later mm. too because uh, that was fascinating. And we've been to Jordan, right? So we've been to Jordan, which is on the uh, west side of Iraq. And we've been to Iran on the east side of Iraq. Um, but we haven't been to Iraq itself. But anyway, this it centers on Iraq, and that is because uh, the book of Daniel is set in the time of the empire of Babylon. And Babylon was an ancient city. It was an ancient empire. It was a very powerful city. 
very powerful empire in its day, uh, 2,600 years ago. There was a king called King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, I might say that again because it takes you a little while to, to get your head around that word. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he was uh, ruler of Babylon and it was, uh, it was kind of the second Babylonian empire. Mm. It was a, a renewed, uh, the Neo-Babylonian That's empire. Right. It was a renewed empire. And, and uh, this, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he really was uh, a, a great builder. And uh, he was ruling in Babylon at the time. And what happened was he went to Jerusalem. He actually went to Jerusalem on three occasions, mm. besieged the city, took away captives and treasure, uh, went back, did the same thing again. And the third time he went back, he destroyed and burnt down Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and so he brings back with him on the first of those trips, he brings back with him uh, a number of the uh, nobles and the, the, the young nobles and the young uh, royal princes and so forth uh, and people who, um, you know, uh, had something going for them, and he brought them back to Babylon to serve in his court. And one of those was a man by the name of Daniel, a young man by the name of Daniel. And so we're going to Iraq. It's fascinating. I've got a picture here, and I, I'm going to have to describe it to people because you can't see it through the radio. But uh, this was a painting that Saddam Hussein commissioned to hang in the summer palace, his summer palace there in Babylon. Uh, well, in, in Iraq, right? And so Saddam Hussein has this painting pictured of ancient Babylon in the background. He's got Saddam Hussein in his um, you know, military uniform on the left-hand side, and then on the right-hand side, a picture of this King Nebuchadnezzar that we've been talking about from 2,600 years ago. And that is because for Saddam Hussein, Nebuchadnezzar represented uh, a kind of a cultural hero, mm. uh, an ancestral hero, that he um, aspired to, so much so uh, that, you know, just as uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was a big builder king, but, um, uh, Saddam Hussein thought about expanding his empire, and uh, we've probably, uh, you know, heard about, um, maybe we've heard about the, uh, the Iran, well, yeah, even before that, oh, the yeah, Iran-Iraq the, War. Yeah, that went on for That a went on years. for eight years. Think about a million people died. Yeah, Iran-Iraq War, where he wanted to expand his territory. Um, and then, of course, he expanded into Kuwait. Yes, that was his undoing, wasn't that it? That was the first Gulf War. <laughs> yes. And then finally, uh, of course, uh, Saddam Hussein met his end in the, after the second Gulf War and so forth. But he, uh, he so allied himself, he, he so looked up to King Nebuchadnezzar that he had some coins struck. I've got a coin, picture of a coin here. It was struck in 1987 with the heads of Saddam Hussein and King Nebuchadnezzar on the same coin, hmm. uh, which is fascinating. Um, and then, of course, I, there's a, there are pictures of Saddam Hussein painted riding along in King Nebuchadnezzar's war chariot. Uh, and you've also got uh, elements of modern military hardware there as well. And it's so, interesting in that painting of mm. um, Saddam Hussein and King Nebuchadnezzar in the war chariot. Yeah, with yeah. um you got helicopters yeah. and you got missiles going yeah. and um, fighter and jets and it's interesting who's the one driving and who's the one firing the yeah. the arrows it's um yeah. it's Nebuchadnezzar driving the the horses yeah. and you've got you know Saddam Hussein he's there you know directing traffic with the arrow he's yeah, just yeah, firing he's away it kind of reminiscent of some of the pharaohs that you see yeah, in the chariots yeah, yeah. That, you know what i mean that's what i thought when i looked yeah. at that so he's um, the king right so king Nebuchadnezzar is king 2600 years ago in Babylon, which is in modern-day Iraq, 
Um, and it was a major city. It was a major empire at that time. It was the dominant empire. And when we say the dominant empire, in 605 BC, there was the Battle of Carchemish, where King Nebuchadnezzar actually defeated the Egyptians uh, at that battle. And so when people think of ancient civilizations, we often think of how great the Egyptians were. But here is the empire of Babylon defeating the Egyptians and therefore asserting their supremacy at that time. So this is the, the big empire of the time. And it's interesting because uh, during the time of King Josiah, which who was one of the one of the last kings of of Judah, mm. you have you know you have him going up against you know uh, Pharaoh Necho uh, from Egypt, and so that's that's um, in the context of of Babylon going to war with Egypt. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so what happens here? So this king, he's in Babylon, he's ruling over an empire, and he has a dream. Okay, and he dreams a very impressive dream. And he wakes up and he realizes it's very important, but he cannot, very soon, he forgets what the dream was about. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And I know it's happened to me, Danny. You wake up, you've had this very impressive, very vivid dream, and uh, within 20 minutes, it's gone. I remember, uh, you know, sometimes you can have dreams that are so vivid you think they're real. Mm. I remember waking up from a dream thinking, that's real. And for 20 minutes, I was worried as heck and then realized it was only a dream. <laughs> oh, isn't that a relief? That's what isn't a relief. That a that relief? Is. What a relief that is. But, yeah. uh, but he'd had this very vivid dream. And in that culture, he called in, uh, the Bible tells us he calls in astrologers and soothsayers and magicians, the wise men of Babylon. Mm. And the reason was, we've, uh, you and I, Danny, we've visited some of the museums of the world, and we've seen some of the tablets from Babylon. Dream omen tablets. Dream omen tablets that have described the importance of dreams mm. in that culture. That's right. And so Nebuchadnezzar has this important dream. He can't remember the details. He calls in his wise man, um, and they simply say, well, uh, tell us what you dreamt, and we will give you an interpretation. But the king says, no, you tell me what I dreamt. And then I'll ask you for the interpretation. Because mm. if you can tell me what I dreamt, then I know mm. you can give me the interpretation. And of course, they say, uh, King, nobody's ever asked <laughs> us to do that before. I can't tell you what you dreamt last night. Mm. And he says, well, if you don't come up with it, I'm going to have you put to death. And so, and your family. Yeah, and your family. So he, this is serious stuff. And then that news comes to one of the Hebrew captives, one of the Jewish captives, which is Daniel. And he says, um, let me go to the king and give me time. Let me pray to the God of heaven and I will see if the God of heaven can have a solution to this mm. problem of the king's dream. And we're going to come back and we're going to unpack that. Mm, how exciting. It is. And so Daniel is going to, he goes to his knees and he prays and he's basically saying, God, I need you to give me tonight what the king pray, you know, dreamt last night. So we're going to come back and we're going to unpack that in a few moments. We're going to look at, a, we're going to listen to a song called All Glory Be to Christ. Of our efforts and no legacy survive Unless the Lord does raise the house in vain Its builders strive To you who boast tomorrow's gain tell me what is your love? 
vanishes, it don't all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ, our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. His will be done. His kingdom come on earth as is above. Who is himself our daily bread? Praise him. King, all glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. Okay, that was All Glory Be to Christ uh, by King's Kaleidoscope. I think that's what it's uh, the group. Okay, terrific. Um, Hope you enjoyed that. Right, we're back now with Looking Up, and we have been uh, just laying the table, introducing uh, the book of Daniel, or particularly Daniel chapter 2. The king's had this dream. He can't remember what it is, and he's asking his wise men. They haven't got a clue. And so now Daniel has said, give me time. Let me pray. Daniel goes and prays to God, and miracle of miracles, God gives Daniel the same dream as the king. Now, if you were going to lose your life, Danny, if you didn't dream what the king dreamed tonight, you'd be praying too, Mm. right? And so he was praying. And there's a beautiful passage in there in Daniel where he praises the God. I don't know if you've got it there, Danny, but maybe uh, where, where he praises the God of heaven 
for giving him um, the, the dream. It's a, powerful, it's a powerful prayer, and I'll read it. It's from verse 20 onwards. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and, his cha- and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And I love this next part. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And then he finishes off with these words. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. All right. So Daniel now... He has in his head the vividness of this dream that God has given him and that God had obviously given to King Nebuchadnezzar as well. And now he's going to be able to reveal it. So Daniel goes into the king and in verse 28 of Daniel chapter 2, it says, There is a God in heaven who has revealed secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. I'm going to pause right here, by the way, because it says there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. There's a link here between this and the book of Revelation, which mm. is a God who reveals. That's right. right? That, that, the book of Revelation. That's is, why it's called Revelation. It's called Revelation because it's a God who reveals and he reveals in signs and symbols. And that's what we're going to see here too. Mm. So there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Mm. That phrase there, it's talking about the latter days, the last days, the end of time. So that's fascinating to us. We want to you know, pick up on that. It says, Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Uh, verse 29, As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. So we're talking about the future. Daniel is talking to the king. After saying, the kingdom of Babylon. After this, right? He's going to talk about the future. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. And maybe you want to pick up the next uh, few verses there. This is 31 through 33, Danny. I think I want to just tap into verse 30. It's fascinating because here Daniel shares where this came from. Okay. Uh, But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. Mm. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So he's saying it's not because I'm wise in and of myself, but he's giving credit once again to God. That's a really good point because um, you would think, I mean, here's a captive in Babylon, right? And he, he's obviously aware that when he shares this with the king, this could give him, you know, a little bit of uh, credit with the king, right? And it would be easy for him to say, you know, I've got the answer to your dilemma, Mm. But he's not taking any credit no. for it to himself. He's recognizing he's, in fact, that's the reason God gave it to him in the first place is because God wanted Daniel to be able to tell the king that it's God who understands what the future holds. It's God who determines what kingdoms rise and fall. It's God who is able to give us mm. wisdom. So that's important to note. Thanks for that, Danny. Shall we read um, what the king dreamed? Let's go 31. Okay, here we go. Holding on to your seats, folk. Here we go. This is exciting. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. 
This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, says Daniel. And then these explosive next words. Now we, once again, we, who is we? God through Daniel. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. Yeah, okay. So thanks, Danny. Appreciate that. So he's basically outlined it, and we'll just go over that again for those who may not be able to visualize this. It would be really good if you had a picture of this. But it's basically a statue, an Mm. image, right? It's like a statue. The head is of gold. The chest and arms are of silver. The belly and thighs are of bronze. The legs are of iron. The feet are of iron mixed with clay. And then this great stone cut out of a supernatural stone cut out without human hands comes and strikes this image on the feet. That's that's the uh, the dream that has been told. If we pick this up now in uh, verse 37, it says, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. Okay, he's talking about you, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And he says, You are this head of gold so there is no question here who he's talking about he's talking about nebuchadnezzar king of babylon you are this head of gold and that was a very fitting um tribute to uh to the city of babylon because it was known as the golden city in fact there's even a reference in the bible there is that names it as such and we have it here in isaiah 14 4 if you want to read that sure In Isaiah 14, verse 4, this is what it says. And I actually have the one from chapter 51, verse 37. You you take that one and I'll do the 14. It says... um, Oh, you, yeah, well, you, well, you, you do verse, oh. uh, chapter 14, verse 4, and then I'll So, share. yeah, Isaiah 14, verse 4, the Bible says, You will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. So, in other words, this is talking about Babylon as the golden city. And then God talks about its demise. And this is during the heyday of Babylon. Mm. And you can read about this in Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 37, where God says, Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals and astonishment without an inhabitant. That would be like saying that Sydney will become uninhabited. Mm. No one's going to live in Sydney. Lockdown. <laughs> or, you'd be, or you'd be locked up. Locked and, out. Yeah, you'd, you'd be put in a, a certain place yeah. where people... Okay, so he says, you are this, this mm. head of gold. And as we've said, at that time, Babylon was the dominant empire. And, you know, maybe people... I mean, there, you know, we've, we've had songs, we've had TV shows, movies that have contained the word Babylon in recent times. Um, maybe uh, people would have heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which mm. was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. You and I, Danny, incredibly, though we have not been to Iraq, we have walked through one of the major gates of the city of Babylon because in the Berlin Museum, uh, the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, 
their stands, the Ishtar Gate, and they've reconstructed those beautiful blue and gold tiles uh, there as an archway, as a gateway. And you and I walked through that gateway, which was terrific. And the processional way. And the processional way. With the lines. Way. Yeah. <laughs> and they've collected all those tiles yes. and reconstructed them back in Berlin. So you can actually see that. Um, but very clear in this image that Daniel has seen, in this statue, the head of gold represents Babylon. And we've seen that that was a fitting uh, symbol of the kingdom of Babylon. But interestingly enough, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 39, he continues, he says, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Now, I'm sure the king didn't want to hear that. No. Not only would his kingdom be replaced by another, but it says inferior to yours. Nobody wants to hear that, right? That you're going to be replaced by somebody inferior to you. And the kingdom of Babylon indeed was replaced by another kingdom, the kingdom of silver, which is... Inferior Medes, to gold. Inferior to gold, and it's the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And fascinatingly, Danny, we went over to Iran, which was the real center of the Persian kingdom. And uh, in Iran, uh, at that time in the Persian era, silver was their currency. It was. They collected their taxes in silver, and so they became very wealthy in silver. Yeah, so the kingdom of Babylon ruled... Uh, basically from 605 to 539 BC. Then the Medo-Persians come along and they rule from 539 to 331 BC. Um, now, we've, we've, uh, they have, archaeologists have collected bricks from Babylon that have uh, Nebuchadnezzar's stamp on it because uh, Nebuchadnezzar would have wanted his kingdom to last forever. In fact, he says that on, on some of the bricks that they've collected. And it's interesting, Peter, that in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar raises an image 30 meters high, all in gold. That's and he, true. And he, and he asks yeah. everyone to bow down yeah. or else they're in the fiery furnace. Yeah. He wanted it to last forever. <laughs> but the Bible actually records in Daniel chapter 5 the fall of Babylon. And the final king there is a man by the name of Belshazzar. And we actually know that for a fact now because we found that in archaeology. Uh, and Belshazzar. He sees this mysterious writing on the wall. And everybody's heard that phrase, right? Mm. The writings on the wall. In fact, the last James Bond film, um, the theme tune was called Writings on the Wall. Um, and so um, this is a phrase that we know, and it means something's coming to an end, right? If the writing's on the wall, it means something's coming to an end. And that's where we get this phrase from. Daniel chapter 5, we see the fall of Babylon. The Medes and the Persians come in and they overthrow uh, Babylon. And it's uh, actually... Um, a guy, a, a king by the name of King Cyrus, who is named in the Bible. He is. Talk about prophecy. This is a different prophecy, but it's another amazing one. King Cyrus of the Medes and the Persians, he is named in the Bible 100 years before he was born. And I'm going to read uh, some of this. It's Isaiah 45, verse 1. It says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. And the kingdom of Babylon, they were having a big drinking party as is described in Daniel 5. And uh, they, they uh, were drunk. They left the gates open. They, the army of Cyrus was able to divert the Euphrates River. Uh, and the, his army marched up the money banks of the river into the city of Babylon and took it that night without mm. a fight. Mm. Just um, as the Bible said. Yeah. And uh, you and I had the privilege last year of going to Pasagade, 
where the tomb of Cyrus is, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and seeing that there and reading those passages. So that, that was, was discovered by Alexander the Great. Indeed, yeah, he went there too. He visited mm. that place. Well, talking of him, <laughs> the next verse, Daniel two thirty nine. It says, "Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over." all the earth and that was the kingdom that next came along that conquered the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians and that was the empire of Greece under Alexander the Great now it that was the son of King Philip of Macedon yeah well hey like Macedonia Danny. I'm from Macedonian Dan, background from so. Macedonia I would tell love us about to, it oh good how long do we have not enough time. <laughs> not long. so um yeah now nah, we have Alexander the Great, who is considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest general um, in all of human military history. Military general, yeah. Military general. And he overthrew, the, he overthrew the Persian king, King Darius III, at the Battle of Arbela yeah. in 331 BC. And the kingdom of Greece lasted until 168 BC for yeah. over 150 years. And yeah, he, he marched from, from one side of the kingdom all the way through to the borders of India and he conquered the then known world in 10 years. Yeah. So that was phenomenal. And bronze was his color because That's right. his soldiers bronze were known. Swords, yeah, they were known. Shields. Bronze swords, bronze shields, bronze they were known as the brazen-coated Greeks. Mm. Well, the next verse is verse 40, Daniel 2 chapter 2 verse 40. It says and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything, and like iron that crushes that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. And so that kingdom is the next kingdom that we see coming up on the scene, which was the Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Romans overthrew the Greeks and then ruled for about 600 years. That's right. Throughout the entire period of the New Testament, you've got the Romans uh, ruling. You've even got the Book of Romans mm. in, uh, in uh, the Bible in the New Testament, which talks to the Christians who are in Rome. And so those are the four major empires of the gold, silver, bronze, and iron that we've covered. We're going to come back and do the details of the feet and the toes, because that's going to bring us right down to our time. But before we do that, we're going to listen to Alison Brooke and the song Childlike Heart.
Welcome back to Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Malenkov, and we are looking at Bible prophecy and how that uh, gives us wisdom and information about where we're headed as a world, and we've been looking at this fascinating prophecy in the book of Daniel chapter 2. So far, we're up to the first 40 verses, and we've looked at this image that the king had a dream about that Daniel is now interpreting. And it was, was a statue, and it had a head of gold, um, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet of iron and clay. And we've now unpacked that the head of gold was Babylon, the chest and arms were of silver, the belly and thighs were of Greece, uh, were Greece, and the legs of iron was Rome. And in fact, Edward Gibbon, the his, uh, a historian. Uh, in his uh, volume, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he writes uh, this, he says, The images of gold or silver or brass that might serve to represent the nations and their kings were successfully broken by the iron monarchy of Rome. So he actually uses the very language of scripture in describing the history here as Babylon, uh, Persia and Greece uh, give way to the iron monarchy of Rome. Absolutely. That, yeah, that, that's an incredible statement. <clears throat> All right. So um, maybe we should deal with this here, Danny, because um, people might be saying, well, how do you know that the book of Daniel was written in the 6th century BC? Maybe the, the book of Daniel was just written, you know, uh, a, a few years uh, before the time of Christ and they, they just knew all of that history so they wrote it all into the book. How, what, what would we say to that? What, what would be the reasoning behind believing that this actually is an ancient prophecy? Rather than history. Correct. Yes. Is it prophecy or history? Okay, there's, there's several 
There are several evidences that point to the 6th century BC for, for its writing. Firstly, uh, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls uh, date back to the 1st and 2nd century BC. Yep. And we don't have time to unpack that. You can, well, Google, but, you but can Google the Dead Sea Scrolls. But yeah, they were, they were discovered in 1947. There are several. Now, I don't want to put the number on it because I'll probably get it wrong. But I thought there was nine copies of the Book of Daniel in uh, that. Or parchments. Yeah. Parchments yeah, are yeah. portions of the Book of Daniel. Yeah, yeah. And one of the significant ones is the Aramaic. Because right. they have been able to trace the Aramaic in the Dead Sea Scrolls, compare it to the Aramaic they have from the 6th century BC, and they have discovered that that is an identical match. So There are details there that you wouldn't include in, in the way that the writing is, is, is that's written. That's right. So, so just to put it really simply, in the book of Daniel, the Aramaic that we find there is from the 6th century Aramaic style that's century. been discovered elsewhere. Yeah. And I think just one point I would make on the Dead Sea Scrolls is that it, you imagine today somebody comes up and say, uh, I've got the book of Danny Milenkov and we should put it in the Bible. Mm. Uh, we've just discovered if it. If only. <laughs> it's ancient. It's, it's thousands of years old. We would ask, we'd say, well, how do we know that that's a legitimate book mm. if you want to slip it in mm. later? Mm. You know what I mean? Clearly, Daniel was regarded as authoritative by those who hid the Dead Sea Scrolls because it was among the other books of the yeah. Bible. And that's very unlikely well, if it well, was we slipped have, in later. Absolutely, because we have also the ancient historian Josephus. Mm. Uh, he mentions uh, the book of Daniel. As well, we have Jesus. Yes, He speaks of the book of Daniel. Yeah. Well, Josephus actually mentions that Alexander came to Jerusalem and he was shown the book of Daniel. That's right. And, and he, so he didn't destroy the city. That's right. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Because there's more to say. So we've talked about the four empires of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And now we come to Daniel chapter 2, verse 41 to 43. Because it says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes, notice the toes there, Danny. Mm -hmm. As the toes... Of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And so what you've got there, Danny, is that you've got the, the, the legs of iron give way to feet of iron and clay. There's still iron in that, That's but right. it's mixed with clay. So you've still got the remnants of the Roman Empire, but they're now mixed with clay. That There is a mixing uh, of these, that there's a dividing of these kingdoms. It says the kingdom will be divided. And what we find is at the end of the Roman Empire, 476 AD, the Roman Empire kind of collapses and is replaced by many barbarous tribes that uh, what swarm we, in from the north, from the north and around Europe. So, so of course, uh, Europe was sorry. Roman Empire was dominant over Europe, even in my country, in England. Uh, the Romans were there for four hundred years. They were called the Anglo-Saxons back and then. The Anglo-Saxons, and so you have, um, you know, the the Portuguese, the Spanish, uh, Spanish, the French, the Germans, the Swiss and so forth, arising at the time of the fall of the Roman Empire. And the kingdom indeed was divided. Um, and it was divided. And you have some stronger nations and some weaker nations, just as you had the strength of the iron 
and the brittleness of the clay. Um, so you had some stronger and weaker nations. It's interesting because it says um, they will uh, attempt to reunite these, these kingdoms, uh, but they will not adhere to one another. And we could think of many attempts um, that have been made to reunite Europe since the fall of the Roman Empire. We might think of somebody like Charlemagne, mm. who attempted to uh, create a holy Roman Empire, uh, tried to you know, glue the, the empire back together, but uh, was defeated in that. He did not succeed, ultimately. Uh, Charles V of Spain uh, attempted that. Uh, we might come to the time of Napoleon uh, of France. He attempted to create a one one nation in Europe, really. In the 18th century. He, yeah, yeah, he said, I wanted to found a European system, a European code of laws, a European judiciary. There would have been but one people throughout Europe. Uh, but ultimately, of course, Napoleon defeated. met his Waterloo. Mm. Um, I'm sure everybody knows the Abba song, right? <laughs> my, my. At Waterloo, Napoleon did surrender. Yes. And uh, there's, you know, go to uh, London today, and of course, there's a uh, Waterloo station. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Napoleon was defeated. He was defeated. He tried to unite the nations of Europe once again under his rule, but he uh, was defeated and did not succeed. And the Bible says they will not adhere to one another. In other words, they will not stick together. It also says here, very fascinating in the text, that they will mingle with the seed of men. Yes. And uh, this is this is old English for, for intermarrying. Yes. I have the version here, Peter, that I'd like to read from. Go ahead. And it's from the New Living Translation that really puts it through. So this is the New Living Translation. Yeah. Daniel 2, verse 43. Notice these words. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. Wow. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. And if you go to Frederiksborg Castle today there in Denmark, there is this painting there. Like a mural, isn't it? It is, yes, of the royal family tree, um, the royal descendants of Queen Victoria of the UK and King Christian the ninth of Denmark. And basically it's the it's the family tree of of the grandmother of Europe, who was Queen Victoria, mm. and King Frederick, who is seen as as the father. And at the outbreak of World War One, uh, pretty much they were all united. So many yeah. historians see family world, members. Yeah, many historians see World War One as nothing more but a family feud. Yeah, indeed. And in fact, if we think of um, so, if we think of Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany, that's right. At the time of World War One, uh, there's an intre- incredible story actually about Kaiser Wilhelm. Mm, Metz Cathedral. Is. I love this story. Yeah, <laughs> it is amazing. It's and a I, you know, I had to pinch myself when I heard this story. But Metz Cathedral, which is currently in France but at that time was in Germany because the border has shifted over time. Um, Metz Cathedral needed some running repairs. It needed some repairs to the roof and renovations and so forth. And Kaiser Wilhelm says, I will fund the repairs for Metz Cathedral if you will do one thing for me. Mm. And that was that on the west door, uh, by the west door, there was a statue of the prophet Daniel holding a scroll in his hand. And he said, I want you to take the face off the prophet Daniel and put my face, Kaiser Wilhelm's face, 
on that statue, and that they did. Mm. And I've got a photograph here, and I've got this photograph from the Australian War Memorial. Wow. Yeah, so uh, it's legit. And so um, there's a picture of Kaiser Wilhelm's face on the statue of Daniel. Of course, World War I, the outcome, we know that the Germans did not succeed in winning that war, and so eventually Kaiser Wilhelm's face was removed and Daniel's face was put back on that statue, and that's where it is today. You can visit Metz Cathedral and you can see it there. But the Bible had said they will not adhere one to another. They will not stick together. Of course, the next time we come to Adolf Hitler, mm. right, World War Two, he wanted there to be one people, one empire and one leader, and there's no guessing as to who that one leader was going to be. It was to be the 1,000-year Reich. The 1,000-year Reich. That's what he wanted it to be. But, of course, he died a defeated foe. There's a fantastic story that I know that you've heard, and we actually met... Uh, the grandson. The grandson of this gentleman. There's a story of Franz Hasel. He was a Christian, and uh, he was uh, called up into the German army, World War Two. And, um, as a bridge-building engineer. Yeah, as a bridge-building engineer. And, of course, he did, he did not want to be responsible for killing other people. Um, and so he actually uh, was issued with a, a standard-issue pistol, which he, he carved one out of wood, threw his pistol in the lake, <laughs> put some boot polish on the pistol and put that in his holster. That's right. And so he walked around in World War II with a, uh, a, a wooden, wooden pistol. <laughs> So, be, so that he would not kill anybody. That's right. Of the 1,200 men in his unit, only seven returned from World War II, and he was mm. one of them. Yes. God protected his man in that situation, which was amazing. But um, he, uh, towards the end of uh, the war, uh, his commanding officer called him in and said, Hazel, I notice that you read your Bible a lot. You know, you're a believer. You're, you're a believer in God. Are we going to win this war? Mm. And he said, according to the Bible, we're not. And he gave him a Bible study and on he, this very he, prophecy. He gave him a Bible study on this prophecy, on yeah. Daniel 2, based on Daniel chapter 2. He had a postcard yeah. in, in his Bible with the image of Daniel mm. 2 on it. And he showed them to these, his officers. He went through the history that we've just discussed. This officer brought in two other history professors. That's right. You know, went through the story again. And they, they said, the history's right. And so based on that based on what the Bible says, that they will not adhere to one another and that Hitler was not going to win that war, they began stockpiling mm. supplies and fuel in order to get back from the front line back so that they Germany. would survive yeah. and get back to Germany. And Franz Hasel was able to get back to Germany. And we've, we've met His the grandson, grandson in the flesh, Michael Hasel, yeah. uh, just a couple of years ago. That was terrific. But the Bible says they will not adhere to one another. And many, many attempts have been made to glue them together and all have failed. And it, and it brings us to modern times mm. because uh, back in 1957, uh, the Treaty of Rome was signed, which was also uh, which formed the EEC, which is the European Economic Community, uh, or which later then was renamed in 1992 as the European Union. Okay, and this is again another attempt to try and bring the nations of Europe together. Mm. Okay. But the Bible says they will not adhere to one another. So uh, interestingly enough, on, uh, in May 2005, the French had a referendum. And I'll read this BBC News report from May 2005. It says, French say firm no to EU 
Treaty. French voters have overwhelmingly rejected the European Union's proposed constitution in a key referendum. The no camp on both the right and the left is jubilant, right? Then you come three years down the track to June 2008. Another BBC report. The Irish are voting on further integration. And it says, it says uh, Irish vote no to EU treaty. Voters in the Irish Republic have rejected the European Union's Lisbon Treaty in a vote by 53% to 46%. The poll is a major blow to leaders in the 27-nation EU, which requires all its members to ratify the treaty. Only Ireland has held a public vote. And so they're running into Mm. problems with this greater integration. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to go to Brexit after the break. Brexit Brexit (laughs) after the break. So we're going to have a break. Hold on to your seats, folks. A Brexit. So uh, breaks it. Right now, right now, we're going to have a song, and then we'll come back because yeah, we want to exciting. see more about this prophecy. So, Audrey Assad is going to sing "Holy, Holy, Holy."
Welcome back to Looking Up. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed that song. Well, we're about to wrap up uh, with this um, prophecy. We're coming to the climax of this prophecy. But before we do so, Danny, you've got some free giveaways today. Sure. We have two free giveaways right on this subject. One's a little booklet and the other one's a DVD. The booklet is called The History of Tomorrow, written by a, a friend of ours that we know well, Julian Archer. It's a brilliant little book, as well as a DVD, Kingdom Come. It's Kingdom Come. So we're giving away these two gifts for the first two callers to call in 
uh, you'll receive that. The number is 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you could text 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right. Thanks, Danny. Those are two great resources that outline this very prophecy that we have been talking about. So uh, we were talking before um, the feet and the toes of this great image. It says um, they will attempt to to mix together, but they don't mix and they will not adhere one to another. And we talked about uh, many efforts to do that. We talked about the European Union. We talked about the failed referendum in 2005 in France, the one in Ireland in 2008. And then, of course, in 2016, there was a referendum held in the UK as to whether the UK should remain or remove itself from the European Union. And in campaigning uh, at that time, campaigning, Boris Johnson, who was the former Lord Mayor, and at that time he was a Conservative MP, he said this. He spoke to a British newspaper, the Sunday Telegraph, and this was reported in BBC News as well, It says, Mr. Johnson said European history had seen repeated attempts to rediscover the golden age of peace and prosperity under the Romans. Napoleon, Hitler, various people tried this out and it ends tragically. The EU is an attempt to do this by different methods, he said. Now, he said that about a month before the Brexit vote. Okay, he was campaigning for uh, the UK to leave. And others were campaigning for the UK to remain. And, of course, the Brexit vote was held on the 23rd of June 2016. Mm-hmm. And by a narrow margin, the uh, the British people voted to leave the European Union. Then, of course, on the 31st of January this year, they officially left the European Union. Brexit officially occurred on the 31st of January this year. And they even um, uh, minted a coin commemorating the fact, and it says, peace, prosperity, and friendship with all nations, 31st of January 2020. So Brexit has occurred, and the Bible says they will not adhere one to another. There's one little extra element which wraps in with the whole coronavirus thing, because you think about the European Union, right? They're supposed to be united but as soon as coronavirus hit, <laughs> all the border crossings went up, right? They did. The borders closed. The borders closed. And, and here in uh, ABC News, 27th of March this year, EU border closures. And you've got all the different countries who closed their borders. So it's very interesting. They become very nationalistic very quickly. It's fascinating. And now we want to get to the climax of the prophecy. Yeah. And uh, this is what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. And in the days of these kings, so when they're seeking to reunite Europe. Which kings are we talking about? We're talking about the reunification of Europe. The kingdoms of Europe. Exactly. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. I love that. Mm. Verse 45. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out with... What was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this stone, this supernatural stone, and we might call it a precious stone, 
Uh, this is a stone that's not a cut. In other words, it's not a man-made stone. That's what it means when it says not a cut out without hands. This represents God's kingdom. Mm. This stone represents the second coming of Christ. And so that is the major next event. We've seen many attempts to unite the kingdoms. We've seen many attempts fail, but the next major event is this kingdom that is going to come, which is the kingdom of Christ. And the, and the stone in, in 1 Corinthians, Jesus says, um, he is the stone. He is that rock. Yeah. You know? The stone that the builders rejected That's has exactly become the right. chief cornerstone. That's exactly right. And, um, and, it's, and it's fascinating because the prophecy says, like dust, this mm. this kingdom will evaporate and it will be found no more. Yeah, and so we're living in that very age. So we're literally living in the very the, in the very toenails, right the toenails. at the end of the toenails yeah, we of human history. The, toes, the feet and the toes, and we are literally in the toenails. And I've shared with you uh, a number of front covers of Time Magazine, and it's fascinating because I've got a number of them in my collection because I subscribe to Time Magazine, and you you have front covers like you know the decline and fall of Europe. You have another one, the state of ruin in 2015. And then you have another one after Brexit, uh, the fall of Europe and why Brexit is just the beginning. Mm. Then you have another one in 2019, the unraveling of Europe, how new leaders are uniting to divide the continent. Wow. And so this is all on the front covers yeah. of Time magazine, yeah. our the major news magazine. That is terrific, Danny. Yeah. So we are. That, that, that's the exciting thing for me. I mean, I said to you before, this was life changing for mm. me, right? And uh, I, I encountered this, um, you know, in the early '90s when I first encountered this prophecy. Much has happened since then that has only been a, a, a reinforcement of the of the prophecy that we've been talking about. The next major event is going to be the second coming of Christ. And when you consider the other things that we've talked about in this podcast series in this radio series looking up the fact that uh, all of the signs of the times that we spoke about in our first uh, episode they're all uh, right there before us you know the world and they're is, all climaxing together all at climaxing the same time together. and, and we, we I think people can sense that we are nearing the end of the world mm. I mean the reality is unless somebody comes to save us we are going to self-destruct, mm. uh, essentially. And so, um, thankfully, the Bible does promise that God is going to step in. God is going to save us. And we just want to let God know that, hey, we're on your team. Mm. We want to be Amen. rescued. We want to be saved. That's right. right. That's what Jesus wants to know. He says, I'm wanting to save you. Do you want to be saved? Mm. It's, it's, it's powerful. And um, and I just love that that imagery of that stone cut out with our human hands. Mm. This is divine intervention. It's because, the precious stone. You know, we've got to pray for our political leaders, but they yeah. don't have the answers. No. They do not have the answers. And so the, the prophecy ends with these words are true. The prophecy is certain. Mm. It's sure. The dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. I love that. How many things are true, mm. certain, and sure today? Mm. We can trust in the Bible prophecy. Well, this is fantastic prophecy. We're going to come back. We're going to have a uh, song which is called Citizen by Melissa Otto, and then we'll come back and wrap up. Teach me ways of life, of truth. 
Welcome back, friends. And we are uh, coming to the end of our show this afternoon, but we've had a fascinating journey through Mm, one of the most amazing prophecies in the Bible, Daniel chapter 2. And we'll uh, do a bit of a review in a moment. But Danny, tell us about the free offer again. Okay, we have a book and a DVD to the first person that calls in or texts. And here are the numbers based on our program today. And the number is 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or text 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Thank you, Danny. And if you have enjoyed this program, just remember that you can go across to um, the website faithfm.com.au, check the podcasts tab, and look for Looking Up. And you will find our programs there on podcast if you wanted to catch up with previous programs. And then this one obviously will eventually make its way there also. So let's just review this incredible prophecy that we have seen. Uh, The king dreamt of this great image, which was uh, a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and of clay. A supernatural stone comes and strikes the image at its feet and then fills the whole earth, and that is God's kingdom. And uh, The gold represented Babylon, the silver, Medo-Persia, the, the, the bronze was Greece, the iron was Rome, and the divided feet and toes were the divided kingdoms after the fall of the Roman Empire. And we are in that period of time now where God is preparing his kingdom. Indeed. Uh, it is about to come. If you think about it, it's almost like, uh, you know, we have seen... Uh, the fact that the, the, the Bible declares that um, Babylon would rise and fall, that Medo-Persia would then come and fall, and then Greece would come and fall. Rome would uh, then uh, be the next empire and it would fall. The kingdom would be divided. Uh, the, there would be attempts to reunite mm-hmm, the kingdom mm-hmm. which would fail. And the next thing is for Christ's kingdom to come. And we all want to be ready for that. As the... Uh, Last line of that prophecy really says the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. This prophecy had an amazing impact on me. I recognized that God was speaking through the Bible and that I could trust the God who had revealed these things in the Bible. And that's really what this is about. Prophecy is not just simply that we can tell the future, but rather that we can have confidence and faith in the God who has the future in his hands we are out of time folks thanks for listening in and we hope you can join us next week where we're going to study daniel chapter 7 but in the meantime keep looking up and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week here on looking up